Right. And your first impression still matters. When that camera goes live, you want them to see the candidate that they want to hire. So put on a suit coat, put on a nice dress, make sure your hair is combed, make sure you look the part just as you would for an in-person interview because they still are making first impressions. It's a different way than in person, but it still happens. It's our natural reaction. Taking the time to prepare for it, make sure you look your best and look like what they want to hire, that will get you a long way. Hello and welcome to the Lehigh Valley with Love podcast. I'm your host, George Wacker. The aim of this podcast is to connect you to the stories and personalities living in or affecting the Lehigh Valley area of Pennsylvania. We talk to business owners, musicians, authors, students, politicians, and maybe even you. We, we welcome job interviewer expert and author, Ann Corley Baum. She's a Lehigh Valley executive with Capital Blue Cross, and she's been running leadership training programs through her own company, Vision Accomplished, that focus on leadership development. She's been interviewing candidates for various positions for over 30 years. She's the author of Small Mistakes, Big Consequences for Interviews that just released. And she's also the author of Small Mistakes, Big Consequences, Develop Your Soft Skills to Help You Succeed. Those links are in our podcast notes. We go over a lot of fun things, including things that I have done wrong in interviews, things that you're probably doing wrong in interviews, and how you can cope now during COVID. Take a listen. Let me start with with um, your history. I mean, I know that you're in the Lehigh Valley now, but I think you came from the Midwest. So can you tell me a little bit about right. how you landed here? Because I'm always interested in how people wind up in the Lehigh Valley. I landed in the Lehigh Valley unexpectedly. I had not ever even heard of the Lehigh Valley. And at the time I was a consultant, uh, what we would do is go around the country and help physicians and hospitals build organizations together. And St. Luke's was one of our projects and I was brought on for what's called the interim executive director position at St. Luke's. And just by the name interim, it tends to be a temporary position. And at the time I was here and getting to know the Valley and as they were searching for a permanent person, they asked me to interview for the role. So I did. And they made me the offer and we decided to stay here. And we thought, oh, this will be a two to three year stint. But we absolutely fell in love with the Lehigh Valley. It is an amazing place, not only geographically, because we're so close to so many different things that you can do, whether it's um, going to the beach, skiing, hiking, but also the people of the Lehigh Valley and the culture of the businesses here. This place is unique. I've been all around the country and I have never been to a place like the Lehigh Valley where the business community, the not-for-profit community, the people are all working together to make the Valley better and better each and every day. And we decided to stay. It's our new home. 
I was just talking to, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Will Lewis. He's a, a news anchor, news person. Um, he said the same thing. He rolled into town and he got to Bethlehem. He's like, ah, oh, this will be a good year or two stint. And he said, 10 years later, here I am. Exactly. Exactly. It's a great place. I always say it's like a, it's a, um, it's an area of communities, you know, like, whether you're in Bethlehem, it really feels like Bethlehem. If you're in Northampton, it feels like Northampton, and but you're still so close. It's just a neat thing that you can see in so many different types of communities within one larger one, the Leah Valley. I agree with you. And the other thing that I love about the difference between each community is the community pride that goes along with the specialness <laughs> of each community. And I think that's why people have been able to preserve the unique characteristics of each geographical area because they are so proud of their particular piece of the valley. Well, I guess some people must have made some good first impressions on you. That is what we call a segue in the podcast business because now we get to talk about your book. Well, I want to start before we get into these, you know, what, what inspired you to, get into writing these things down or making a book? You know, was it something where you you say, because I'm always curious with this, were you thinking about it for a long time and you finally did it? Did the idea come to you in a dream one night and then you, you know, did it the next day? Like, how, how do these things go from that initial idea to, I have a book in my hand? I would say for a long time, I had in the back of my head, that I should write down and share these lessons that I've been learning along the way in my career. From my perspective, though, that wasn't a reality. The idea that me and Bomb could actually write a book and publish it didn't seem like a realistic <laughs> option. So for anybody who's worried about having that thought, right? You can do it. So. Mm -hmm. I I would keep notes and I learned a lot throughout my career from people either observing people that were doing things that just didn't work particularly mm -hmm. well or making mistakes myself. And I really wanted to share that with a broader population so people could avoid making these mistakes and really be more successful in their careers and their interactions with other people. And one thing led to another and I met somebody who showed me that book writing is not an, a scary unachievable thing. They got and as soon as I put it out in as soon as I said it, I'm going to publish a book. Mm -hmm. All of these things started to come together. All of a sudden I met somebody who was a publisher and they had an illustrator and they knew somebody who could get a speaking engagement. And before you knew it, it was published. Sometimes putting it out there just in the atmosphere helps you see that the way to make it happen is right there in front of you. And it's also kind of like making um, um, a pact with yourself in a way. Like, hey, if I say this out loud and I'm going to do it, then, you know, I got to be accountable to myself to at least, you know, I'm not going to say I'm going to do things that I'm not going to do. You know, th that's a good... Uh, or a bad, um, maybe a bad habit to have. So saying it and actualizing it, it is a great thing. Um, I'm going to go here. 
When we talk about some of these first impressions, you know, we had talked about that with the Leah Valley made a great first impression on you. What are some of the ones that you said you, you what are some of your favorite ones? And we're going to get into, I have two in the book that I wanted to talk about, but what are some of the favorite first impression mistakes that maybe you see? And by favorite, I mean, I'm not sure how you interpret that favorites that you, you think are the worst or, or favorites that you see a lot of the time. Well, if you look, if, if we're starting with uh, small mistakes, big consequences for interviews book, one of the biggest favorite ones for me is the overconfident overachiever. And this is the person that shows up at the door and for the interview, they start off by telling you why they should be in charge. Mm -hmm. All the things you're doing wrong as a company, how they're going to save you, you're going down the tubes. And by the time you're just starting to get to your interview questions, you're thinking, who is this arrogant, braggy, mm -hmm. annoying person? And the person, if you would ask the overconfident overachiever why they're being so obnoxious about it, almost always they're trying to be confident. They're trying to show that they can do the job. If you don't be careful in how you present yourself, you can send the wrong message right from the beginning. And then that person, they're not considered any longer for the role. I had a same or a similar type thing where um, somebody cold called me last week and it was from a local company but they started off very aggressively, like telling me what I was doing wrong in my business. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute, who are you, number one? Okay. And then I'm like, in my head, you know, I'm a rational person, I think. I was figuring out, I'm like, okay, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to appeal to this sense of me. And I just said I wasn't interested. And then they followed up with emails saying how, you know, I was doing things wrong. And it just makes me think that there must be somebody out there who's doing the opposite of what you're doing. And, and I've seen it where they instruct people like this overconfidence leads to success where, you know, it, it is really more about listening as well. Exactly. It's really important to be a great listener. And for example, if I'm posting a job, I'm looking for somebody to do the skill set that we need to take our company to the next level. Mm -hmm. And if you come in and aren't demonstrating those skills, I've got 20 other resumes of people that are interested in that. Somebody who comes in the door and they didn't do their research on the job, they come in telling you everything that's wrong <laughs> with your company and then say they want to work with you. That's not what we're looking for. If we were looking for somebody to come in and be a brand new CEO and turn around, that's what we post. But we're looking for somebody to do a particular job. And it's really important to do your research and listen to what somebody's looking for for that role. Well, what would you tell, like, genuinely, somebody, like, say I'm that person coming in. I'm like, and I've researched your company and I'm so smart. I know that you're doing this. I haven't seen anything behind the curtain, but. I know that you're doing this and everything wrong by looking at your press releases and social media posts. Um, what do you tell somebody like me? What's a different approach that I can have going into an interview? A different approach for you to have, first of all, hopefully you're open to that constructive advice from be, somebody. Number because one, yeah, often please. somebody isn't. <laughs> what I would suggest is 
that you come off as confident, but humble and show that you can be a team player and really ask excellent questions as part of that interview. And then in answering those questions, demonstrate how your skill set, your experience, everything that you know is the best set of skills for us to hire. Once you're in the door, then you can use that talent, that skill, Mm -hmm. that knowledge to make progress for the company. But if you come in like a bull in a china shop, it's not going to show that you're a good listener. It won't show that you're a good team player. And it really won't get you to move along in the interview process. So coming in, being prepared, knowing what skill set they're looking for, and then demonstrating that you have the skill set that best matches the role. Then once you're in the door, you can start to really make a difference. And I always thought that asking questions was a great thing. You know, people, um, when you're in an interview like that, they always say, Hey, do you have any questions for me? And you know, a lot of times in that, at least when I was younger, the response would be a blank stare. Like, what do you mean? I don't have any, the question for you is, do I get the job? (coughs) Excuse me. Um, but would it be a good idea to say, Hey, I did my research. And instead of telling them what they're doing wrong, maybe I can craft some questions out of that, that I can ask them during the interview too. It's one of the most impressive things that I notice about candidates when they come in with well thought out, well prepared questions. I know that they've researched our industry and our company. They may have researched and hopefully they did me or my colleagues that are interviewing them. And when they have very solid questions, particularly when those questions are focused around how they will be successful in their role. And I don't mean successful, like when do I get my next raise, but how will I be, how will my success be measured? For example, that's a great question. Or what are the results that I, in my role, will be expected to achieve? Those show me that this person is focused on success, focused on results, and really wants to understand what the role is designed to achieve, not just how much money they'll get, how much vacation they'll get, and what's in it for them. It's got to be what's in it for both parties in order to make a good match in an interview. This episode is brought to you by Made Possible in the Lehigh Valley, a regional branding and marketing initiative aimed at showing off all the amazing things that are possible here in the Lehigh Valley and helping to grow the region's image as a desirable place to visit, work, learn, and live. They've created materials that you can use for free on your sites and in your outreach to help tell the Lehigh Valley story. Lehigh Valley is rich with opportunity, providing people with a good life on their own terms. The region exists today because of where it's been. Together, we will shape what is made possible tomorrow. Contact them and get more information at lehighvalleymadepossible.com. Absolutely. And I feel, as I'm reading these books, I'm making all these mistakes, but I guess I'm not technically looking for a job, so I'm okay, (laughs) at least for now, but... It's very important. In fact, I, I joke, but it's very serious for some people who are doing Zoom or meetings like this where they're interacting. I'm guilty of it. There is this this cognitive disconnect now where since I'm not seeing people in, in 
impersonal all the time. I'm thinking to myself, like, did I see the right thing? Are they mad at me? Did I do this or that? Um, have you seen anything like that? It's weird that not having some of these in-person things has resulted in, in different types of problems that I'm personally even seeing. I agree with you. The one thing, Zoom is nice because we can at least see each other. But you don't get the vibe. You can't mm-hmm. feel the emotions of the other person. You're not seeing their whole body language just from the right. shoulders up. And body language is the way we naturally interpret so much of our perception. Body language is the first thing that we make assumptions around. Then it's facial expressions and tone of voice. And only after we've made a lot of perceptive Mm -hmm. conclusions do we actually listen to what somebody is saying. So we're missing all of that piece via Zoom. I think that means it's that much more important to carefully select your words and also think about your tone of voice. That's the primary thing, your facial expressions, your tone of voice. That's the primary piece that's coming across through Zoom, much more so than your body language. It's really important not only to deliver it clearly, but also when you're on the other end of it, to be that much better of a listener. It's the only thing you really have to rely on besides the picture. And if I constantly looking at my picture, I might say, oh, smile, remind myself to smile. (laughs) And it's not real body language, not real facial expressions, because if we were speaking one-on-one in the same room, I'm not constantly looking at myself to see if I'm smiling or if my hair looks good. And we're not looking at each other the whole time either. I always like that moment right. before somebody comes on, you're like, here we go. I'm in my attic. <laughs> I have a, I have a quarter beard. Like, I hope they're ready. Um, it, it, but yeah, you're usually, when you're in a, a meeting like that, you're not, you know, face on. So it is a little bit different. And then I can see how it can be uh, a little unnerving for somebody who's maybe not that, assertive of a person or, or used to making that much eye contact, um, which leads us to a lot of people are, are you know, there are still jobs. I mean, um, there are still candidates out there and they're having these interviews through Zoom. So you talked a little bit about body language. What are some tips or, or ideas that people can, can think of before they say, okay, hey, I have this Zoom meeting with this person. I'm a little bit nervous. You know, here we go. What can I do in those days or hours leading up to it to better uh, prepare myself? My first piece of advice is to be prepared and prepare for that Zoom meeting or that phone meeting in the same manner that you would for an in-person meeting. Do the research on the company. Do the research on the job. Do your research on the people with whom you're interviewing. And then before the meeting, practice, test the technology. Do you know how to dial into a Zoom meeting? Do you know how to use GoToMeeting or Microsoft Teams? Is it loaded on your computer? Make sure the technology works. Make sure you have the correct address. Then think about what is somebody seeing when they see you on the screen? What's behind you in 
the background. What I mean, do you have a pile of garbage that's on the no, couch I have a pile behind of, you? Uh, my dog's bed is right there. Thankfully, nobody has to see this video, so we're good. But you know what? You're ironically your background suits your personality. And you're the host, so you have the flexibility of having a cool background, and that's great. If you're interviewing, think about the message that somebody will I, see when they see behind you. And listen, I 100% agree, because in this situation where we are, you know, it's, it's a, I put up the air quotes, it's a host, you know, guest situation. If I were to, you know, be interviewing for a position, I would definitely, and it's no disrespect to you whatsoever. It's just that it would be a different kind of situation or, you know, when we do a live presentation, I definitely, um, you know, make sure that the backgrounds may be a little different for this podcast. We're not using the video. So I feel a little comfortable, but it's, but it is, it, it's definitely, you know, I don't want to make light of it. It's definitely that I, something that I take into consideration. My wife even bought me, I have it over there, but it's like a light up sign. So I can put in different oh, words and such as we're going live. And again, it's just trying to be a little bit creative without looking too lazy, I guess. It's a good way to do right. it. But it's no, go ahead. Right. You were saying it definitely something to, you want to take these things into consideration because the person looking at them, you know, if this is a 30 to an hour long interview. They're going to have a lot of time to survey that background. Great. And your first impression still matters. When that camera goes live, you want them to see the candidate that they want to hire. So put on a suit coat, put on a nice dress, make sure your hair is combed, make sure you look the part just as you would for an in-person interview, because they still are making first impressions. It's a different way than in person, but it still happens. It's our natural right. reaction. Taking the time to prepare for it, make sure you look your best and look like what they want to hire, that will get you a long way. And don't be nervous. Everybody is in a weird situation right now. Do your best. If you do your best and there's a good match, You'll get to move on in the interview process. I I still, like, I get nervous before this one. Um, For people who do read, but I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's your own, I think it's, I think it's bad if you're not a little bit nervous. I think that just means that you have have no internal feeling at all. Um, (laughs) A zombie. going, Going through the book. So I'm looking at, you know, small mistakes, big consequences, develop your soft skills and help you succeed. What's fun about these books is uh, people can't see, but you know I'm looking at the different ones, and they have you know small mistake number five, the moocher, and we have a, a uh, illustration, and then a very fun way to look at quickly the consequences of acting like this, and then the ways to to go around it. And I had one in here. This is a um, a fun one that we're all going to be ah, the the constant phone checker. Because that has been a complaint leveled at me um, during meetings, and I will admit it. I'm just, you know, I do so much work through my phone that when I sit down for a meeting that sometimes I have that thing in the back of my head, like, somebody's emailing me, what's going on? I need to check. You know, what can I do? I'm admitting to this. I make this problem, and I know that people um, have said something to me in the past about it. I'll own up to it. 
what can I do to get better at this? Well, when you're constantly checking your phone, what you're, the message you're sending to the other person is they are not important to you. And whatever is coming in via your phone is more important than that person that you're sitting across the table from or the person that you're on the Zoom call with. What I recommend, unless it is a life or death emergency, mm-hmm. put the phone aside. Don't bring it to the meeting. Give the person across the table the courtesy of your full attention. Most of us think we can multitask. I, I've done it. It's a myth, right? Said, I heard. <laughs> right, right. So you say, oh, I can, um, I'm listening. I'm listening, George. Keep talking while I'm on my phone or I'm typing. Yeah. But you know what? You find out that you re- actually weren't listening. You're hearing a voice in the background, like the old Charlie Brown teacher. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Right. You're hearing it in the background, but you're really not internalizing it and truly listening put the phone aside it'll be there when your meeting is over you'll have better meetings with the other people because you're paying closer attention to them and they're paying closer attention to you and you're not sending a negative message about how much you value them or their time what do you pick up that phone yeah, would like would it even be a good idea? Because one thing that I've learned is I was really bad at organization, so I've toned it. Like I've, I've really worked on myself for that. Do you think? And I've learned I, what I kind of say is I know what I'm going to do, so I try to fight against myself so I can't do it. An example of that would be if I know I'm going to use my phone or I'm so like worried about it, maybe you should just leave it in your car. When you go, if you are having an in-person meeting or maybe for a Zoom meeting, you leave it on another part of the house that you would have to leave to go get. So it's, it's impossible to even get. It, I think that's a really good idea. I recommend just put it somewhere where you're not even thinking about it. And if you're particularly, some people, if it's close, they can't help but look at it. Just leave it in the car, leave it in your bag. Don't bring it, turn it off so much better because then it's one less distraction that you have for the interaction. And that's for interviews or any meeting that you're having with somebody, leave it away. And the other, you know, we're going to go and deep dive and how horrible I am at some of these uh, interview because I'm reading through them like, that's me. Small mistake. Number seven is the interrupter. I've been accused of that too. And I find, and, and, Doing um, podcasts like this, what I was on with my co-host previously, it would be something that I I saw myself doing. I would interrupt people and I'm like, why am I doing that? And I think it was because I was so excited to get something out or I didn't want to forget something. And I feel like, oh, okay, I I can sense that their thought is ending. I'm going to, I think I might've even done it to you in here. I'm going to try to jump in on there. I, I know it's okay to be excited about stuff. So what is a way to maybe what can I do? Be more cognizant of just like, wait, wait until they completely stop talking. When you're an extrovert and I am one, so I understand this challenge. You, as thoughts are forming in your brain, they're coming out in your words. And 
it's very difficult when you're excited and enthusiastic about something to hold back. The problem with interrupting people is the other person, especially if they're an introvert and somebody who waits a long time before they speak and then their thoughts are very well thought out and they speak very clearly and deliberately. If you interrupt them, there are two big risks. The first is you offend them. They haven't finished their thought and it's annoying to be interrupted. Mm -hmm. The second thing is you may have misinterpreted where they were going with their thought. And Mm -hmm. if you interrupt somebody before they finish, you could end up answering a question that they weren't actually going to ask or take the conversation in a direction that wasn't the intent of the other person. It's really important to wait until they finish. And one of the things that I do, I'm a hand talker, as you can tell. And I, to, to help myself be quiet and wait, I'll sit on two of my fingers. I'll just kind of put them under my leg to force me to listen and then wait until the other person is completely finished before I jump in. It is so hard when you're an extrovert. It is really difficult. The more you can do that, not only will you be a better listener, but the thoughts that you then interject are more likely to match the direction of the conversation instead of interrupting and potentially taking it in the wrong direction. Right. I think this, a lot of this comes back to just being more of an active listener. And I think in the age of social media, I've been guilty of this. It's, it's very um, rewarding, I guess, personally rewarding to, to say the first thing that comes to your mind or knee jerk reaction to something, <laughs> an article that you see on Facebook. Like I immediately am an expert on this. I know everything. Let me tell you instead of, <laughs> Taking 30 minutes, reading it, processing it. Uh, I'm do, I mean, I don't know how much you see this on a, on a daily basis, but I definitely like, see it in daily life. Do you feel like we could all benefit from taking that little step back and, and just listening a little more before we react to things? I think taking the time to really listen and understand is incredibly valuable. You are so right. We are in a soundbite culture. We are in a headline culture. We either like or care or heart or angry face things without even reading the whole story. And we see how it gets in people in trouble on a regular basis. Stepping back and really listening to learn so that you're trying to truly understand the point that somebody is trying to make or reading to learn and really find out what's behind a particular story instead of just taking the first, either the headline or the first two sentences and say, as you said, I'm an expert on this thing now. So I'm going to throw my opinion out there. It is, it's not great from a, a, promotion of your opinion perspective because if you don't take the time to recognize what you're responding to and don't read it carefully 
we've seen it time and time again, where somebody sends something out, they didn't realize the depth of what they were sending out. And now their name and opinion are stuck to that other person's opinion. And that name or may not be what they really thought, but they didn't take the time to read it carefully or understand the implications of putting it out there. And I think it's really important to step back, take that time and think about how what you do and say impacts your personal brand and your personal image. Be careful with that. Once you trash your own image, it's really hard to recover from that. And I'm glad that you said that phrase, personal brand, because I'm a big proponent of branding yourself you know, the, the things that we share on social media are what I want you to see. There's a reason I'm posting that. Um, you know, do you feel like, I mean, we've seen it. I don't want to get into specifics, but we have seen locally and nationally people who have shared things on social media and then say, well, I didn't really mean it. Well, then maybe don't share it. And I understand it's, it's easy to say, well, it's just a social media post, but it does say something about who you are if you are willing to share things that don't align with what you believe in just out of being lazy. You know, that, that could that could change my even working perception of someone. If, if they're willing to share out these things really nilly, well, yeah, you know, I, I might take a step back at, at some of the other things, too. It absolutely says something about who you are when you put something out there on social media. And if you don't think about it and say, well, that's not who I really am, then don't post it. Read it, interpret it, but don't post or share something that you don't agree with. Because by doing so, once you put it out there with your name associated with it, you're saying, I support this, even though you're not saying, I support this. Right. It's, it's a nice saying, way to say, well, yeah, it's, it's that gray area that people love to live in, um, but it doesn't necessarily you know, always benefit you. Right, a, right. So be very careful with your personal brand. There are so many fun when you do go through this book. There's so I'm glad that you included um, illustrations in this. Not that it would have been any less interesting, but when I'm going through and I can read, you know, small mistake number seventeen, the excuser, which is one of my favorites. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm a big fan of is is if you're able to take ownership of things and take responsibility, then you're going to grow and achieve a lot faster than if you're just saying, well, it's because of this extraneous thing, or it's this external thing that won't allow me to do it. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit more about, and I got to find it again. I should have bookmarked this, the, the, um, the nervous Nelly, because with everything that's going on, I'm a nervous Nelly, <laughs> believe it or not. When you get into some of these meetings, you know, I, I'm you could be zooming with the CEO or, or, or um, somebody who's high up. And how do you get over some of that nervousness that we're all going to have? We've talked about it. Maybe you don't have too much coffee before the interview. You know, what are some ways that I can relax myself before I have to talk or interview somebody like yourself? I think it's really important to remember that people are people. And whether they have a big title or you're the interviewee, we're all people. We just have different experiences. 
that has really helped me. I used to be very intimidated by people based on their title and thinking that because they were CEO or CFO, that somehow they were better than me. Uh-huh. And over time, once I started to get to know people with these titles, I recognized that, yes, they had different experience than I did. But unless they're a real jerk, they don't think they're better than me. They just are different than me. And once I started to think that way, it helps me feel much more comfortable around people regardless of title. The other thing I would add is when you're coming into an interview, you are invited into that interview. And if I'm inviting you to that interview, I'm inviting you because I need somebody to do a job. And I hope you're that person. That makes my job a lot easier. If you come into the interview and you're the right match for a skill set and personality and all of those things, now I don't have to worry about all those other 20, 30, 40 resumes that are sitting in the box. If I find you, that's great. I'm excited. I'm thrilled. And remember that it's a two-way street. And people aren't hoping you fail. And I think with our cancel culture and everything, it, mm-hmm. we've got to be really careful. You're, we're not, when we bring somebody in for an interview, I'm not hoping they bomb the interview. I'm hoping they're great because I need somebody for this job. Please let it be George because then <laughs> it's good. We can move forward. It's positive. Thinking about things like that, as you're going in, that you're interviewing for the job as much as I am is helpful. Also things like meditation, having a great playlist of your favorite psych up songs, taking a walk. Like you said, don't drink too much coffee before you go in, getting good exercise, eat a good meal, make sure you're taking care of yourself, helping yourself get comfortable. And then remembering once you're face-to-face with somebody else that they need you as much as you need them. And reading through some of these two, I have to imagine that reading through these two books, Small Mistakes, Big Consequences for Interviews, and also the original to develop your soft skills and help you succeed. I have to imagine that there are a lot of other people like you or or job um, hiring professionals in your industry or any industry who know these things so they can see when when somebody's maybe being the phone checker or being the gawker. And then they are like, well, you know, here's another one. So, you know, a chance to sell the book a little bit, you know, does it make sense to go through these? I've read them. They're, they're great to, to say, Hey, these are the things that the people who are hiring you are looking at. So this is kind of nice in the fact that it's a roadmap. One of the main reasons I wanted to share these characters in the book. These are the things that people won't tell you, but they notice. And they tend to notice them subconsciously, and then it'll kind of stick in their brain. Oh, that person was this character or that character. They're not, they're not. 
Right. It's a distraction. These are all distractions that take focus away from you and your skill set. And when you can get all those distractions off the table, the interviewer can really focus on you and what you have to bring to the job, as opposed to all of these distractions that help them really write you off the list. And I want to kind of, to finish up here, with everything that's going on, there's a pandemic, and it doesn't seem to be going away in the next couple of weeks. So as people, you know, there's college students who maybe graduated recently or are going to graduate during this. Um, there are people who are, you know, lost their jobs and are looking to, um, to get a new one and to interview for new ones. Is there anything that you can talk about this climate? Is there any positive that we can maybe take from what's going on or are there any ways that we could set ourselves up to maybe succeed in this climate and again we know that we don't know a lot of things so we'll take everything uh that way this climate is strange but there is opportunity out there many companies are hiring they need people and Make sure you're getting your resume out there, search for the job. And when you're preparing for the interview, most of them will not be in person. Think through and prepare no differently than you would for that regular interview. I think there's a lot of great opportunity. I've seen people changing careers right now. They have been home doing their job and they realize you know, I maybe now is the time for me to really seek out that dream job or find that new opportunity or take on something that they otherwise wouldn't have considered because they were so busy just doing their job. And there is opportunity out there. It is available. Seek it. Pursue it. Now, actually, I think is a great time to reach out and network with more senior executives. People aren't traveling the world on planes. Most people are in their offices or in their homes. They're available. Reach out, make connections, see what opportunity is out there. It's there. And I'll just say for me, from my personal experience during this time, you know, I've been able to have a good group of uh, people I'm working with that are in different companies, but it's just whether I'm working with the downtown business association in Bethlehem, there's people who are, working to lift people up, you know, get around those people, get around your friends who are being positive. Um, and, and of course, you know, if there are other friends who you can help out, you, you want to do that too. Cause it has been a dark time for some, for many. And, um, you know, holding on to that positivity, I think is very important. I agree with you being positive. It, it makes your day better. There's always a silver lining I really like what you're saying uh, about surround yourself with positive people. Mm -hmm. It is really easy to get sucked into the negative. If you frankly turn the TV off, watch the weather (laughs) and go outside, be with people via zoom or on the phone, see all the good things that they're is in life. We live in a great place with a lot of great people. Enjoy that. And try not to worry so much. It's hard. It's a scary time. But we'll get through it. And we'll get through it together. I agree with you. I've seen more of the Lehigh Valley, I think, in the last four months than I have in the last couple of years. 
whether I'm kayaking on the river or we're, my family and I are taking a drive just to take a drive. You know, it, it is amazing yes. how much there is to see and do. And it is amazing how much is going on in the Lehigh Valley. I know that there's always this preconception or conception that is so small, but it's not it's huge. You know, there's almost a million people in the metro area. That's as large as a lot of other places that we think are bigger than here. So if I have any advice, it is to continue to network and, and stay positive and surround yourself with people who are doing that as well. Um, and I want to say thank you so much. This has been great. I think you helped me uh, in my upcoming Zoom meetings with people. Uh, these books are great. And the thing too, I know we, don't, we all don't have a lot of time right now. These are quick reads. You know, small, small mistakes, big consequences, and also for interviews. They're quick reads. They're great reads. There's a lot of valuable information in here. We have all of the link. All of the links are in the show notes. So if anybody wants to find out more about Anne or they can buy the book or where she's going to be, you can find that all in the show notes. And Anne, I want to say thank you for taking the time to come on. It's an early morning and I'm, I'm pumped up for my day now because this went well and I've learned some new things. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Thank you again one more time to Ann Corleybaum. All of her notes, her website, her books are all available in our podcast note. If you would like to learn more about the Leah Valley with Love podcast or to be a guest, email us info at leahvalleywithlovemedia.com. 